Black lives matter, black lives matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to live my life, putting purpose over profit. Too many fallen soldiers, too many slain prophets. Eyes on the prize, yeah, I gotta watch it. Agents amongst us, get your hand out my pocket. I'm sick with the pet. Brothers and sisters are sick in the pet. Oppressed by the man, attacked by the clan. America's plan, depression sets in. People becoming so hopeless. Said we can't breathe, they still choke us. They put the body cam on, it's either turn off or out of focus. Yeah, another death, another life. They pull the trigger, no thinking twice. Cops be wildin', the killing youth. The new Jim Crow, a different noose. It's the beast, it's the beast, mark of the beast. Cease and desist, increase the peace. Move in silence, don't make a sound. But when they come, stand your ground. R.I.P. to all the martyrs. Say your prayer, Heavenly Father. Black lives matter, black lives matter. All right, guys, welcome back to another live episode of the Creative Gourd. This is our election day special. What a pivotal day. Professor Israel, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. It's good to see you, brother. I know we were gone for a little bit, you know, busy, 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 running, running, running. Uh, But today is a very special and important day um, for us to connect and, you know, have a nice little special, as you said. Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes to voting and the significance of voting, I think it's very important for us as people of color, specifically in the black community, especially with our ancestors doing so much just to give us the opportunity of vote. Right. So I think about one of your favorite ancestors, Frederick Douglass, and what he said, slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. So I think that would be a great theme for today. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. In terms of Frederick Douglass, one of the ancestors who probably one of the greatest orators, one of the greatest minds, one of the greatest writers um, of history, of history um, and in history. Mm. Uh, And I think that, you know, today, um, a lot of folks might think that is a cliche when folks say, you know, your ancestors, um, you know, spilled blood or fought for or died for. Um, our right to vote, but it's not a cliche and it's not far-fetched. Um, it's it's the truth. And you can receive that truth however you want to receive it. Um, you can use it as something to push you towards voting. You can use it as something that's going to push you away from voting. But at the end of the day, it is it is true. Um, so I think that's something that we need to think about and also put into our um, factoring of what our responsibility is um, as a citizen in the United States of America, particularly when it comes to voting. Absolutely. And I love what you said there, our, our duty, right? Our, it's our responsibility because not only have our previous ancestors not had the ability to do that, but we actually have the ability to create that change that we so seek. So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of, and I hate to bring up, you know, bad traumatic, you know, memories for people, but when the current president was first elected, there was this great outcry for people being like, oh, he's not my president, yada, yada, yada. But if that energy was there during the polling, perhaps that wouldn't be a reality. So sometimes you kind of have to use the ability and the power that you have in a democratic society. Yeah, I think, you know, what we've seen is that folks are reactive um, as opposed to proactive. Mm. Um, And some folks are lazy, um, which lead to lazy arguments. 
Um, so some folks, they might start to say why voting is not important or why voting won't change anything. And of course, they might have some some uh, truth within what they're saying, because in my opinion, voting is not the answer. However, it is part of the solution. Right. Um, so it's important for us to keep that in mind. Um, it's not just a one thing is going to solve and change everything. It's not a silver bullet, so to speak, um, but it is a part of that process towards liberation and towards freedom. Um, realizing that we have to attack the system that we call the United States of America from a number of different fronts. And voting is one of them, um, just merely one of them. Um, so there's a lot of times when, you know, folks might be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not voting because of this, that, and the third. They have really done their research. They might be political immature, as as we, we've talked about before, and they're not seeing the bigger picture. So if you, as you mentioned all the time, if you look at the chessboard, um, if you think about all the pieces there, and um, instead of us being used as someone else's pawn in their game, it's important for us to strategize, organize, and make sure that we're using our pawns um, to put our other pieces up um, in the right spaces for later on down the line. If we talk about like Sangu, right? Um, Brother Sangu talk about endowment thinking. Um, if we're thinking about what the vision might be for our kids and our grandkids, um, it starts now. Mm. Um, so we can't just sit here and say, oh, well, voting doesn't matter, et cetera, and then try to demand things on the back end um, or vote without actually understanding the facts and understand what's on the ballot, actually. Uh, so I think there's a number of things that goes into the whole conversation about voting. And we have to be honest with ourselves. I mean, particularly 2020, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, you know, this is what we got. Yeah. <laughs> like these are our options. Um, and there is no for better or for worse, really. It's just honestly, it's it's not the best in terms of the options that we have. However, however, unfortunately, we're at a situation not where we're trying to decide between the lesser of two evils, but trying to decide which which situation is going to set us up for success in the sense of being able to live right. and survive in order for us to work towards thriving? I mean, that is essential, right? Because self-preservation at the end of the day, and as we know, that's the same tactic, let's say the fear tactic that the current president is using to not only get into office, but to stay in the office. So it's important to have that, that chessboard-like perspective to see you know, have that endowment thinking, because if you don't, you're going to get swept up into all the other nonsense that is perpetuated in the media. Right. So at the end of the day, I think it, you really have to calibrate and be logical, be pragmatic and be like, listen, and we'll get into it a little bit later in terms of the future of voting. But you essentially do have to vote for especially with your mind as opposed to your emotion. And as we see from the campaigning, most of voting, let's say modern voting is based upon emotion as opposed to logic. And that's not going to solve any of the issues or erect any policies that are needed for to create actual change. Yeah. And to your point, you know, what I'm realizing, and I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I'm not really witnessing a political campaign. I'm witnessing a marketing campaign. Thank you. And it's, it's really marketing. Yes. And it's like, who's going to be the best marketer? Um, who's going to lie the best um, or who's going to package stuff to the point where, you know, of course there's policies and things you have to sift through and choose from. Um, but, you know, you, you you see folks start to get paraded around or paraded out and presented in the last minute or in the 11th hour, so to speak, right? You see folks who are starting to join on certain sides or endorse certain folks. And, you know, as much as social media, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, all these things, as much as all of these things help us as a society, they might be our demise <laughs> yes. because there's a lot of nonsense and buffoonery happening in these spaces where it's like, 
not only do we have to fact check politicians, we also have to fact check fact checkers sometimes. And then because the folks have access to resources like we do, right, um, we have to also check the folks that might be of our community um, who might not be the best person to listen to within our community, um, who might not have our community's best interest in mind. Um, so I think about 2016, and I think about what happened, and we, we saw that a lot of white women voted for Trump. You know, a lot of white women is like, eh, how, how did this happen? Because your sisters, your homegirls, let that rock, right? There's a lot of people who didn't vote too. There's a lot of people who didn't vote too. But we, we shift from four four years ago, four mm -hmm. years ago, when white women, you thought white women would vote for Hillary. A lot of white women didn't. And now we're shifting to a space when you have the vice president who was with America's first black president, Obama, right? Um, we're worried about how black men will vote. Because there's a lot of times, as we've seen, there's a lot of entertainers, there's a lot of black men who are coming forward saying they haven't voted at all in their life. This is going to be the first time that they vote. Um, and you think about the lack of voting, and then you think about the actual voting taking place now and not really knowing where they're going to vote. And everyone's entitled to however they want to vote. What I'm saying, though, is it seems like there's been a fight for the black male in terms of voting. And I'm like, where was that energy when we were fighting for black males who were being killed in the street? So now, you, now my life matters. Now my vote matters. So it's just interesting to see how that goes. But again, uh, we can't be used as someone's political chess game um, to be a pawn in their system. And we have to think about certain things. But I'm thinking about folks, you know, um, Lil Wayne, for example, coming out of his mouth saying some wild and crazy stuff. Wow. Dude, yeah. dude, you might have dropped some great albums, bro. <laughs> um, but when it comes to talking about political stuff, wrap it up, B. Wrap it up. Like, you, you don't need, nah, we good. So we can't rely on entertainers, per se, um, to be the voice of a community, to be the voice of us politically. Um, of course, they have a right to speak, um, but I think we would be better served if we looked at the experts who actually study this stuff, um, and this is their lane. Because, you know, ain't nobody checking for my album the same way they might be checking for Lil Wayne, <laughs> but I hope folks will be checking for my commentary more than his. Absolutely, and I agree with what you said a thousand percent. It does feel like a marketing campaign, so it's kind of like uh, it's a popularity contest at the end of the day, which is why they're probably going to entertainers like Lil Wayne. But I have to, you know, give some appreciation to Pusher T, putting things in his perspective. Wayne complained about Biden tax plan, but had no issue when Birdman did it to him for 30 years. So, Ooh. You know what I mean? So you got to practice what you preach, Yeezy. You feel me? Ooh. Ooh, right. Goodness. Bars. <laughs> goodness. Push a T. Infrared. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, right. And then uh, shout out to Mrs. Jizzy. Great points. Political immaturity is a big issue in our community, thousand percent. Because I remember when I was in Miami, shout out to the U. And I, there were a lot of uh, black folks down there who were afraid to vote for Obama. And they were like, oh, I'm, I'm going to vote for McCain. Or Romney, like who, whoever it was, right? So they they were just weren't able to process that change. Mm -hmm. And let's be real. I mean, folks vote for whatever reason. Some people might be single issue voters. Um, some folks might vote on pure emotion. Some folks might vote because of tax purposes, financial purposes, whatever the case may be. To be a keep it a buck, keep it one hundred. Um, the first time I was of age, you are of age to vote in the general election for president was the first election of Obama yes. in 2008. And to be honest, like, was I really thinking about policies? No. I was, what, 20? Um, was I really thinking about policies? No, I wasn't really thinking about policies. Was I really thinking about 
you know, my community per se, in terms of making sure I'm looking at all the laws and whatever's on the ballot. No, not really. I wasn't doing that. What I was doing, however, and, you know, of course, I've, I've grown politically since then. But what I was looking, however, was voting on the fact that this is going to be a person who finally represents the aesthetic of who I see myself to be as a black intellectual right. married to a black woman or interested in a black woman um, who is going to be a person who's trying to be a pillar of their community. And I saw that as a as a, a way to model or signify to those coming up after him that is not only possible, um, but is an imperative that we as black men um, know our history, know how to get politically engaged, know how to actually speak, deliver a speech, um, you know, be persuasive with our writing, with our thinking, uh, with our delivery, all those things. And I thought that was something that was going to be great, great just pretty much on, on optics alone. And I think that's what really motivated me to vote for him. It kind of helped that, you know, I didn't really see myself and other candidates. Um, but again, I think we have to look at all that stuff in totality and really try to, at the end of the day, you, you know, vote your conscience. Because as imperfect people in an imperfect world, we're never going to have a perfect candidate. Is what can you live with or what's going to allow you to live, period. Absolutely. And I think President Obama was a wonderful example for all of us, not just in the black community, but I would say in the worldwide community to be you know, being able to not only accomplish your goals, but speaking them into reality. So his ability to galvanize an entire audience by his speaking ability reminded us a lot of Malcolm, excuse me, Martin Luther King. And, you know, as uh, Paul Mooney likes to say, he uh, looks like Malcolm X. So there's a, there's a lot of similarities between previous heroes and activists in our community in addition to his ability to kind of put those two things together and galvanize people. So as we see him, uh, let's say on Joe Biden's marketing tour, right? They, uh, they brought him out the woodwork, but at the same time, a lot of his messages are completely factual. It's important to vote and understand the importance of voting, especially in our community. So I think that that is the most pivotal part about all this because if something happens, let's say after today, because the polls are still open for the next, let's say, hour and a half, let's say, and, you know, then people can be complaining for the next four years. But you had this opportunity now. Right. And unfortunately, the early polls are saying that uh, the Donald is getting a lot of support from black men. So I'm just like, hold up. After what all y'all have seen in 2020, some of which Y'all probably be camp, you know, were uh, marching against like police brutality and there are all these different things. You probably supported Kaepernick and all these different ventures. But when it comes down to where your actions, excuse me, where your voice is actually heard and you had the ability to take action on it, you still went down that door. It's, that to me, that's always confusing. Yeah. And I think you brought up such, such a great point. And, and I'm going to see if I can unpack this because it's very deep. I want to unpack it and see if I can um, make it plain. So we talk about, Black men and, you know, well, not all black men, but you have a segment of black men who, um, for whatever reason, um, have a, a affinity or a liking um, of Trump. Right. And from my understanding, the things that I saw when we first um, realized that he was president in 2016 and the conversations that took place and, you know, the Kanye West coming out and doing all that stuff saying, you know, this make America great again hat. It um, feels like a makes me feel like a superhero when I put on all this other nonsense, right? So when we're talking about those pieces, you think about the the fact that 
Um, you know, these black men who are used to being policed in a space, who are used to being told that they have to subscribe to respectability politics, which, for example, Obama would be the image of respectability politics in terms of the way that he speaks, talks. Um, you know, he has a little swagger there, which is winning the other folks who are like the folk, right? Where he could shoot a jump shot. Wow. You know what I mean? He could do all that stuff. He can, you know, do a little two-step on Ellen's show, right? You got that piece. But he's pretty much the symbol of respectability politics, stuff that black men have been pushing back against for the longest time. So here comes a person like Trump who, again, just doesn't give a F, has no coup whatsoever because that's what privilege does for you, right? That's what white privilege does for you, particularly white male privilege of wealth and all this other stuff, right? So he doesn't he doesn't care. He just walks into a room. He does whatever he wants to do, right? Um, he goes to, uh, after, after a hurricane, he goes to Puerto Rico, he's throwing out paper towels and all this other stuff, right? He just does whatever he wants to do. So you see black folks who are like, yo, this dude doesn't care. He doesn't give a F. That's how I want to be. I want to be free. But they forget they're black. Right. <laughs> you don't have that same access. You don't have the same social capital. You don't have the same privilege. So you might see him as a mascot of what you want your masculinity to be. But real recognize real and real rap. You can't do that, fam. Because again, at the end of the day, whether you're white up here, you're not white here. You're just not. And a lot of people are getting infatuated with the fact that they feel a little free and they're moving away from the respectability politics and they think they can just be free and liberate themselves and do what Trump does. But newsflash, fam, you can't do that, at least not in this United States of America. Absolutely, especially with the United States of America that the current president is bringing into fruition. In fact, they're going to make sure that you'll never experience that type of freedom. So, again, as you said, real, recognize real. You're going to have to take a look in the mirror and then take a look at the facts and be like, you know what? That's simply not for me or for us, right? So you're going to have, or we're going to have to create our own version of that that's more palatable to us, which is more re more realistic to us. And then that way we can actually create that change where we're actually not susceptible to all these uh, marketing tactics, let's say, and, you know, and, and campaigning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's 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 so much infighting, um, not only within United States of America, but within our own community. You think about how black folks have been divided or get divided for a number of different reasons. You think about international interference um, in our elections. You saw what Russia did before. Um, and we see what folks are continuing to do now. Um, reports coming out how folks are, you know, getting getting in all type of ways um, to interfere with the election. And. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Are you familiar with um, the ADOS, um, ADOS movement, ADOS? ADOS, no. All right. So in, in the black community, right? So it's like you, you see all these folks who've been popping off and I'm wearing, you know, the black liberation flag, you know, black nationalist flag, Marcus Gary flag, Unia flag, Pan-Africanist flag, all those things, right? I say that to say is that the ADOS movement or the ADOS movement um, is American descendants of slaves. Okay. And those are folks who are saying, we are African-Americans, or not even African-Americans, but we are the ones who did not have immigrants who came here. So they're not Caribbean, they're not from the Caribbean, they're not from Africa. They were the ones who were descendants of the original slaves who came here. We can debate into a blue in the face about how that premise is dumb to begin with, because <laughs> there was forced immigration and then there was immigration. Either way, folks are immigrants. But again, we don't, we don't have to get into it. All I'm saying is that there's factions within the Black community now where you have folks who are like... Um, I'm not voting unless reparations is really on the table and you shouldn't vote either. 
or you have a lot of black folks who are calling for, and these are people who are powerful within the conscious movement and powerful within these spaces where, you know, they're launching conferences. They have a lot of YouTube followers, et cetera. You have a lot of folks who are doing this stuff and they're saying, well, don't vote for anybody or even worse. They're like, yo, you need to vote for Trump because he's the only one who's really speaking to foundational black Americans. To me, that's nonsense because for me, I'm pro-black, which means I'm talking about black people and I'm talking about building with black people. And I'm realizing that, guess what? In order for me to build with black people, that means folks in Africa, that means folks in Haiti, that means folks in Cuba, that means people who came from Africa, no matter how they got there. So there's a lot of factions taking place inside the black community. And there's a lot of folks who are getting lost in certain places that we're too busy fighting ourselves. And guess what's happening? We're not fighting the power structure. We're not coming together. So again, that's another divide and conquer strategy, which doesn't work out for us. Um, so I would encourage people to really think about what they're listening to, what they're what they're hearing, and mm. I, res- I respect if you if that's if that's your cup of tea, you can subscribe to that. Um, I think it's a, a complex situation when we talk about reparations. We can tease that out from this whole movement that's happening because I think that's a separate issue. But when it comes to nation building, um, I think we have to have a different conversation. Um, I say all these things to say is that we need to be educated. Uh, we can't just listen to anybody. We can't listen to Nuck Nuck and Pee Wee and all them folks like just saying whatever. Like we have to actually vet the information um, and be critical thinkers when it comes to these things, because guess what? Everybody's not right, bro. Everybody's not right. And there's times when, believe it or not, we're wrong too, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you just have to, you have to vet things and really have, have that critical lens. Absolutely. And I guess as, as an introvert, as an intellectual and an Aquarian, it's like when you, when we speak facts, we would hope Right. The hope is, is that people will be stimulated enough to be like, you know what, let me engage in some critical thinking, do my research, vet the information and be like, by Joe, by mix. They, they might be on to something, but it is that's not how things are done nowadays, especially in our uh, social media society, unfortunately. So sometimes you kind of have to. Forget the the logical approach and sometimes you might need to actually go down that emotional path just to get those people who are kind of lost let's say let's say lost in the sauce lost in the world in order to kind of bring them back into reality so sometimes you need to to dig deeper into that in those trenches and then bring them back over here unfortunately yeah it's a lot of heavy lifting that's required sometimes um and you know you have to ask yourself the question are these folks worth saving Mm. um and by worth saving i mean worth engaging in a conversation with um are they are they able to open up their mind to hear and listen to a perspective that's different from their own right and there's a lot of times i've seen that folks as much as they say they're a critical thinker as much as they say they're open-minded as much as they say they're interested in getting facts they not they not. So what they do is they're like, oh, no, no, no. So they they argue, they argue, and you think that might is right, and whoever is louder is the most accurate and most correct. I don't deal with that. I really don't. So my thing is, I'll put something out there, I'll pose a question, and I would invite people to do their own research the same way that if I hear something, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to go take a look. And if it makes sense to me, I'm like, oh, okay, thank you for changing my perspective. If it doesn't make sense to me, then guess what? I'm not subscribing to it. And there are times, there are times when some folks can't understand nuance, even if it's smack them in the face. It's like, listen, you don't have to agree with everything here. You can tease some pieces out 
and understand, okay, that part makes sense, but I can't really subscribe to this piece. That's why I was just talking about the whole notion of, you know, you have ADOS, you know, the ADOS movement, and then you have reparations. I think reparations is a much deeper, complex conversation that we need to have. Right. Much deeper conversation. And it's been, there's been a bill on the table for a while, but we need the HR 40, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we talk about all these pieces and it's like, okay, yeah, that part we need to really sell. This other piece over here, I have questions about it. Because if you're really about moving forward and nation building, there's some things that just doesn't make sense with, your, with what you're saying. Absolutely. And I'm thinking all the way back to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which essentially prohibited states from using tactics to prevent people of African-American descent to vote. And it kind of reminded me of what my dad was telling me how, you know, the American Bar, Associ uh, American Bar Association essentially had their process of the bar and passing the bar to prevent other let's say uh black uh lawyers or potential lawyers from passing the bar as well so no matter where we are whether it's on the track and field play a field right or and in the boardroom or in the courtroom there's always going to be hurdles for us to jump over right? mm -hmm. of course folks keep moving the goalposts absolutely you know next thing you know you're on the you're on the uh one yard line about to put punch in the ball Next thing you know, the goalpost is like 50 yards away. He's like, how'd that happen? I was like, I, I played the game. I followed the rules. The ref was hating to begin with through mad penalty flags. Yet I'm still here. And then you move the goalpost when I get there. We've seen it so many times before. So again, when folks say voting doesn't make a difference, or when they say voting is not something that we should be engaged in, again, think about it. Would folks really suppress things that didn't make a difference? Mm. Would folks really put a poll tax, literacy test, but folks really rig elections. If it did not make a difference, right? the issue is this. Because there's such a huge gap in power, folks down here don't understand what's really happening up here sometimes because we don't feel it. Because guess what? No matter who wins tonight, folks who are down here are still going to be down here for quite some time. And folks who are up here are still going to be up here for quite some time. It's just a matter of what the climate might look like and whether or not you can move and close that gap. That's a different piece. But again, a lot of folks are like, well, it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference because fam, you're not in that bracket, boo. So again, there's certain things that we have to look at in terms of zooming out and understand the totality of the situation. We can't just look at it with a laser focused view and say, this one thing that I'm going to do is going to change the world or change everything for me. It's a part of a whole process. And we have to understand that a lot of things take place before we even go and cast our ballot. Mm. And then even more importantly, after we cast our ballot, what are we doing Wednesday? And who knows? We might have find, we might not even find out who wins for a little bit of time. But again, what are we doing after we find out who's elected? We can't just curl up in our shell. doesn't matter who wins. What are we doing as active citizens? You can't be active citizen and say that you're doing your civic duty because you cast the ballot. And then you just go home and twiddle your thumbs and sit in your hands for the rest of the, rest of the time the president's in office. Come on can't do that absolutely and that's why it's it's that it's that pivotal right because at the end of the day it kind of reminds me of when when people are scared of okay let's say in a in a fictional sense when people are scared of a society and there is a vigilante who comes to the aid of everyone else and i feel like everyone is waiting for that savior because we i feel like we all have a a, a the inverse of a savior complex because we're all waiting for that savior to come and save us. Like we had 
Martin and we had Malcolm and we had all these other amazing figures and we're just waiting for them to come and do something. But that was all to inspire us to take that same action. So imagine if we had a community of Martins, a community of Malcolms. That's exactly what is required to create the change that we all seek. I like what you're getting at because what that really is bringing up is we need a new 21st century innovative leadership model. Mm. And, you know, before when you talk about black leadership, um, black leadership was usually a person who was attached to either a church or an organization or a religion. Um, and I think we're starting to see, um, particularly amongst the youth, um, things a little bit more grassroots. Um, and uh, I think we have to shed the whole notion of one person is going get us to the promised land. Many people can get us in the promised land. And the problem is, I don't know if we trust each other enough mm. because there's so much internalized racism. There's so much internalized oppression. Um, we always talk about the white man being fearful of us. We always talk about the white man, you know, holding us back. Sometimes it's the man in the mirror. Sometimes it's the person who lives right next door to you, who looks just like you. And it's important for us to address those things too, because, you know, I'm not going to want to work with my brother and sister. If I don't see him as my brother and sister, I'm not going to want to work with my, my folk, my skin folk, if they don't act like kin folk. Um, and if, if we don't have that trust, if we don't have that relationship, if we don't work towards relationship building in order for us to get to nation building, um, then that's going to be a problem. So I think when we're thinking about this whole new leadership model and what's the way forward is really about us. One, understanding who we are, um, learning about our history, where we come from, who we are, how powerful we are, and what we can do when we connect with each other. Um, like that's the number one reason why these things are not taught in school. Right. Because if we knew who we were, and if we knew how powerful we are, there's a lot of things that would be different. We would even be having this argument about voting because we would have been voting and doing other things too to make sure we could change our situation and our circumstances. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, like as our minds are developing, if we had this type of perspective from a very young age, where we would be as adults collectively would be a totally different place entirely, which is what I feel like is even more important to educate the youth about these, these elements and, you know, have them even participate to a degree, like even going to the, the voting polls with their parents and be like, this is why we're doing X, Y, and Z because eventually down the line, when you're an adult, we can have A, B, and C. So we can uh, bridge that gap and, and connect what we're trying to do. So as we transition to our next topic, which is the future of voting, and I'm going to reiterate what I said before, like granted, obviously, for lack of better words, as the polls are still open and closing down, obviously we, we actually need to transition right from the dual party system and get into a, a type of leadership that actually has you know, people of color and specifically people who are descendants of slaves to have more representation, not only in Congress, but also when it comes to, you know, benefits and whatnot because of past, past tribulations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think thinking about that reminds me of as a Christian mm -hmm. um, before, before I was a Christian, like when I just believed in God and I didn't identify as a Christian, um, I've been to Catholic churches, I've been to Episcopal churches, things of that nature. Um, when I became a Christian, was saved, etc. Um, I've been to Baptist churches, I've been to Pentecostal churches. I've been in a number of different churches. 
Some things I 100% agree with and subscribe to, particularly their ways of worship, etc. what their tenets might be within their church, etc. And there are other things I don't agree with. However, what I do agree with and what I need is the word of God. Mm. I think when it comes to America, we need to identify, again, what America's promises are, realizing that those promises were made to everybody, and we need to address that first. If we can't, if we can't even address and admit that ish, then we, we, we where are we going? Where are we going? So we need to understand exactly what does the word say, and let's have an interpretation and talk about it. And no matter what denomination you are, if you identify as an American, right? If you identify as a Christian, right? We need to get back to the gospel and understand what these tenets are. And everything that we do needs to get to those tenants, needs to be evaluated through those tenants, and need to be measured by those tenants. So it's like, okay, what are we doing now? So we get caught up in these party systems, and you get caught up in all... Folks can literally run as a Democrat one time, and then run as a Republican the next, and then run as an independent. People can start their own parties. Kanye West tried to start the birthday party, you know? So I'm just saying, it's like... We need to sift through and sort through the BS and get down to brass tacks about what is really at stake and what are we trying to do. Um, but again, there's a lot of powers that be. There's a lot of folks who are just stifling the progress, the progressive change that we're trying to bring about. Um, and as we see, you know, it was the the rise of the American empire. Mm. It hit the peak. We're in the decline, folks. We are in the decline. I don't know which part of the decline we're in. That's yet to be determined. But we're in a decline for sure. Absolutely. So it's really up to the people what we want to happen, right? Especially with the economy and especially politically speaking going forward. Because at the end of the day, regardless of your denomination or your belief system, right? Regardless if you are saved or not, facts are facts, right? So at the end of the day, if people who are descendants of slaves did essentially free labor, you know, free labor as indentured servants, then they are entitled to uh, restitution for mm-hmm. their services, not only rendered, but already actualized. And the people who actualize those benefits have already collected interest on all that free labor. So by the own financial, let's say, uh, infrastructure that has been erected in this country, I think a uh, payment is already, you know, due already. It's outstanding at this point. So, and it, yeah. So the saying goes, scared money don't make no money. Mm-hmm. That's the saying. And you think about all the things that have had to happen in order for us to get as far as we've gotten in the face of so much brutality and so much um, oppression. You think about the sacrifices that were made. Literally, people have died for the cause. Right. Many martyrs, too many, right? And that continues to happen. So again, when I think about situations such as, and again, I'm not I'm not judging anybody because I'm not in their shoes. I'm just asking questions. If we can't even get the NBA players to really take a stand where it hurts maybe their pockets, but most importantly, hurts the pockets of the establishment that lets folks know that we mean business and we can actually practice cooperative economics and support each other through this time in order to make sure that we're trying to move towards a better tomorrow for everyone. We don't have, like, what else What else are we going to do? Because folks get caught up in the establishment 
folks get sucked up into this capitalistic system to the point where they're not willing to risk certain things. And I understand that you want to protect and preserve your family. I get it. And like I said, I'm not on that level. But in the spaces that I'm in, I do sacrifice and I do put myself on the front lines for other people. And I hope that people can start to understand that some things, maybe you're working hard to get money so you can actually be in a position where you can just say, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because I got this money that I can get it done. Eh. But we like we we don't have that type of time. Like if MLK and Malcolm X and um, Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and um, Fannie Lou Hamer and all these, Mary McLeod, all these, if all these folks was like, yo, I gotta wait a little bit. If Ida B. Wells is like, oh, I gotta wait a little bit. Let me, let me, I gotta, I gotta stack some ducats first. Like, no, they were stacking ducats while doing stuff. It's about strategizing and being smart, working smarter, not necessarily harder. And I, I'm just wondering, as a consciousness, as a people, when are we going to say enough is enough, and we're not going to buy into the stuff that folks keep pushing towards us? And we're going to do our thing and make sure that we can like really crumble and dismantle these power structures and systems of oppression. Like, when is that going to happen? And I'm wondering, you know, is it going to happen within the next four years? Is it going to happen within the next decade? I don't know. But I think we each need to be doing something wherever we are. Absolutely. And Claude Diz and I were discussing uh, discussing this today while watching Black Lightning for the first time. So shout out to you, sir, for recommending that to me specifically. So thank you for that. And we were talking about how, like, regardless what happens in the next four years, if we as a collective aren't spending the same type of energy, let's say, in pop culture, in addition to our dollars, doing the majority of the speaking to Black-owned, you know, establishments right, who are positioned as luxury items. And we're giving, instead we're giving that money to, you know, Louis, Gucci and Fendi and then everyone else. And we're not giving it to our people. Again, what's the point? Because we're still not learning. So it doesn't matter who wins today or in the next couple weeks or months, right? If we're not going to take that type of decisive action and try to build a, a, a kingdom, a legacy, our own Wakanda, essentially and having black wealth, and uh, supporting black businesses, I mean, it's the, the history will continue to repeat itself as it has during our ancestor times and during our recent ancestors times as well, because that's that's what is needed to actually create that change. Because as we discussed before with Sangu and amongst ourselves, mix is that we need to have that that uh, black dollar to be as powerful as it is. And right now it isn't because it's kind of like the Dave Chappelle skit with the reparations kit, we're rushing to give the money right back to them as opposed to circling it amongst the, the black people in the world, which is around three to $4 trillion. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, there's a reason why the government sanctioned burning and bombing of Tulsa, Oklahoma, black wall street happened. There's a reason why Greenwood was set on fire because that was black excellence at its best. And they were like, nah, we can't have none of it. There's a reason why these things continue to get blocked in certain spaces. And we have to figure out ways to circumvent that. It's a reason why these things happen. You know, there's probably a meme that you've probably seen, but it's always around. And it's like, this was the hood underneath Clinton. This was the hood underneath Bush. 
This was the hood underneath Obama. This was the hood underneath Trump. Still the same old hood. Ain't yes. nobody doing nothing for the hood. My question is, how do we change that meme mm. to a positive one? F all these politicians. <laughs> how do we, the people in the hood, from the hood, change all of that to the point where it's like, regardless of who's in office, this is the hood thriving under blah, blah, blah. This is the hood thriving under such and such. How do we rewrite that narrative? How do we make sure that we hold ourselves accountable? Because it's a political space. It's also the educational space. If public schools are failing you, you can't get a private option. Mm. There's a such thing as called homeschooling. Right. Are we about that life? Right. We will stand in line for hours. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. I'm not. There we go. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. I'm not trying to say anything about respectability politics. All I'm saying is we can point fingers at the white establishment, the power structure, but at the same time, we need to point a finger at ourselves and say, what are we doing with what we have to make sure we can bring about change? So therefore, if you have an issue with your hood, if you have an issue with your hood, this would be simple as, yo, I hate that my hood's dirty. Fam, I just saw you throw your bag of Cheetos on the floor, fam. Exactly. There's a garbage can over there. Put that drone in your pocket until you find one. Like a lot of things start at home. A lot of things start at home. And, you know, there's just so many little things, so many little tweaks that we can do. And it has nothing to do with respectability politics. It has nothing to do with abusing children. It's called discipline. And we've got it. And it's important for us to actually think about the things that we can do, the power and purpose that we do have, even if it's finite. Because guess what? If it's minuscule like that, if we team up with each other, with even more people, our power starts to grow. That's grassroots organization. And that we're not thinking about that. So talking about that savior complex and waiting for someone to come save us, right? Um, who are we waiting for? I, I can't remember what the quote was, but we are who we've been waiting for. Yes. What are we going to do? You can cast your ballot and vote your best interest in mind. But at the end of the day, what else are we going to do to make sure that we hold politicians accountable while we're holding ourselves accountable, while we're holding our communities accountable. What are we going to do? Absolutely. And I love that accountability and you know personal responsibility aspect because it is up to all of us. We do have that ability. We do have that power. And we should hold you know the politicians, the, you know, the policymakers. We need to hold their feet to the fire, hold them accountable, and hold them also, the business accountable with our with our dollars, right? Because at the end of the day, if we're being completely transparent here, I think it's always been people of color who have who have been the the uh the let's say the disciplinaries and the raising of families, right? So even when we were caretakers for their families, we were mostly the disciplinaries for them, right? So we were teaching their children how to be X, Y, and Z. Like this isn't no, you don't do things like that. You do things like this, and they were consulting us for advice, obviously behind closed doors. But again, who is that, that, uh, let's say that North, that do North compass that they relied upon in those pivotal moments. Again, we all know that whether they want to acknowledge that that's on them. Right. So, and I'm going to read out Dino's comments So shout out to Dean. So word, it's important that we black folk don't lose the leverage we built this year, a thousand percent, especially if Biden gets in, because unfortunately I feel like even if he does get in, I feel like people are, their eyes not on the ball. They're going to be, 
distracted as we are living in a society that is, you know, let's say overstimulated uh, externally. So people are going to focus on other things as opposed to being like, okay, this is a great point of leverage, which is, which is what Dean's point is. And then we could take it to the next level. Exactly. And, you know, I had to share this with some, with some folks. I was like, listen, I hope you understand that no matter who wins, Mm. but more specifically, because folks are like, yo, Biden, 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 Biden. I'm like, no matter who wins, if Biden gets in, doesn't mean that, guess what? Life is better, y'all. Doesn't mean that. Because like I shared with them, I said, black folks have been catching hell in this country under every single president. Including Obama. Including Obama. Mm. And some can make an argument that in some spaces we call even more hell. Yes. So when we talk about that, Let's call a spade a spade and let's be real. It doesn't matter in that situation who's in office unless we make sure it matters. Right. And if we can't build and organize and trust each other and support each other to the point where we're not dividing and conquering, but we're actually coming together and trying to see what our best interest is as a people, then we can't really hold people accountable. So again, there's folks who are like, I think, I think it was, I think it was, I want to say it was. Lyndon Baines Johnson, I think it was President Johnson, who I want to say he had this conversation with Dr. King, who was like, make me do it. Right. It's like, you're asking for all these things, but make me do it. You have to make me do it. Exactly. And, you know, that's usually how power it is. And like Frederick Douglass said, power can seize nothing without a demand. But at the same time, if you don't got folks to demand it, if you don't got a group of folks who are like, yo, we about to ride out if you don't. Um, it's a problem. So we have to make sure that we're keeping our, our, our foot on the proverbial gas pedal, right? And making sure that we keep riding this joint out till the wheels fall off. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me, again, I'm going to bring up uh, one of my favorite things, fiction, especially in terms of, uh, let's say, fantasy, right? So in, we're at that point in the story where the protagonist, who essentially is the superhero long term, is still being a little overly polite asking for too many things oh i I don't want to cause any trouble i just want to go through x y and z when essentially you do need to start demanding and commanding that authority that we do have even if financially right socially i would say socially speaking and financially we do have that ability to demand certain things of people who are in who essentially are appointed based upon our dollars and our voting equity and whatnot of course. And you raise a good point in the sense of every day we vote. I don't think people know that. Exactly. Every day we vote. Um, we vote with a dollar. Mm. We vote with where we spend our time. Uh, we vote with which brands we choose to wear on our bodies and associate with every single day we vote. So if we can like zoom out again and think about what voting means, not just politically, but also um, how we live our daily lives where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, um, the schools that we send our children to. And I know there's a lot of things that prohibit us from going to the places that we want to go to or living in the neighborhoods we want to live in. Uh, I'm well aware of those things. Um, however, the power that we do have, like we can complain about the power we don't have, but let's remember the power that we do have. So let's use the power that we do have to do something about gaining the power that we don't have as opposed to just complaining about it. Let's dismantle and build at the same time. Um, it has to be a both and. It can't be either or because we're we're going to be like a dog chasing his tail. It's never, you're never going to catch it, fam. Never. 
Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me of weight loss, right? Because when you're losing weight, you essentially are building lean muscle and lean muscle is what is what uh, demolishes the majority of uh, fat cells long term. Right. But at the same time, when you're gaining lean muscle, you're also gaining weight as well because you're gaining muscle. So you kind of have to like, as you're saying, you're going to have to build and demolish at the same time. So essentially, we need we all need to get fit politically. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you put it that way. We definitely need to get fit politically because. If we were all doing a political fitness test, mm. man, a lot of us have fat camp right now. Dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like we don't know what's going on. We need, we need, we need to get ourselves in shape. Right. We really do. We really do because, um, you know, just thinking about the work that we have ahead of us. You know, a lot of people think that it's gonna it happens overnight. Changes happen overnight. The same way this system, as racist, sexist, capitalistic, oppressive as it is. It didn't happen overnight. Exactly. This was years in the making, which means even with radical and the most radical change is going to be years in the making. So we have to be in it to win. It It has to be a marathon. Sometimes it might feel like a sprint, but at the end of the day is a marathon and folks need to build up their endurance and their stamina because it's going to be a long run, a long run. Absolutely. It's going to be a uh, an NBA playoff run, because even in the sport of basketball, we have moments where we're playing defense, other moments where we're sprinting and then stopping and then sprinting. And then that's the first quarter. Right. That could be 20 years. That can be a generation. Second quarter could be another generation. Third quarter could be another generation. Fourth quarter is another generation. Then we have overtime. Right. So and it could be a seven game series. So at the end of the day, it's I, I again, Nipsey said it best. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And again, this is a, a metaphor we all all familiar with, right? Even before Nipsey. So still shout mm-hmm. out to Nipsey, but it's that important to understand that it's it's a long-term goal. It's, a, it's endowment thinking, right? It's macro as opposed to micro. And the world, and with all its lovely distractions as illustrated in Revelations, right? It's all about now as opposed to what's in the future because if you're only thinking about things now and currently the future won't be there because the future's already let's say uh purchased now on credit Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean and like you said the the marathon does definitely continue um and i i think that when we're talking about all of this it can be exhausting Mm. It could be draining. I know there's a lot of folks who are stress eating already. There's a lot of folks who are like the lines of the liquor store are crazy. You know, there's a lot of things going down. You know, I you know, I went to go procure a couple of cold beverages, you know. And you know, people out here in these streets, yes. I don't know if they're having a drinking game. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they, you know, they 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 just securing their bunker, you know. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but folks out here, they feel it, they feel it. They, like honestly, I kid you not, show up to work. You know, and this is white folk too. It's white folk usually show up, you know. And uh, you know, Mondays, some folks usually have the case of the Mondays, other times they don't. But this is a different type of case of the Mondays, you know. And as me, as a black man, I'm I'm coming in in, in these space. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm okay, I'm fine. Is really okay? I'm, I'm good, I'm fine. I'm like, what was you okay? Your dog died, you cool? Like, what's good? Like, what is going folks are feeling it right now? Mm. I don't know why. Because I'm like, Summit, you're going to be fine regardless. Right. <laughs> like, they ain't checking for you. They ain't checking for you. So all I'm saying is that there's a lot of folks out here who are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
But again, because we have here's here's what gives me hope. We have a lot of young folks who are growing up who are about that life, and they ready they ready for change. I just hope that one us us who are elders, even you and I, we, we elders in this game. We're getting old, bro. Um, and the folks who are older than us, I hope we don't pass on negative cynicism. Mm. I hope that we do pass on hope and a toolbox and toolkit for revolution and reform. And I hope that we also instill in them discipline and unwavering, um, steadfast, like attack of a goal that you're trying to get. Because I think with these folks, they might have all the energy and effort, but their fun- their focus might, or they might stop because they're they're part of that generation where everything is like that. So I think that's we as elders need to step step aside sometimes to say, listen, it's your turn to run this leg of the race. Here's the baton. But let me tell you about the bumps and the hurdles and all this other stuff. And understand that some days you're going to feel like stopping. You're going to have the lactic acid build up in your calf muscles. I'm going to throw you a banana, though, and you're going to get that and all the <laughs> stuff. Here's a, Gatorade. Here's a Gatorade. You good. Like We need to start playing that role of support. Some of us need to get that half out the way. And play that role of support because we ain't got it anymore. The folks who still got it, we good. We can continue to be the models for these folks. But it's important for us to turn to the youth right now and try to build them up because that's what's going to take us to the next level. Absolutely. Your metaphor kind of literally reminds me of the Lakers right now with LeBron James <laughs> phasing out and he's got to hand the torch to Anthony Davis. You're the youth. You're you got all the future, right? But at the mm-hmm. same time, you bring up a wonderful point because this younger generation, they have everything at their fingertips, so they kind of lack that patience. So we kind of have to give them the reins, but also instill that patience within them because it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be an, an instant download. <laughs> it's going to be a, uh, it, ugh, wow, it's going to be a lifelong level up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then Chloe had a question. Uh, predictions of civil unrest, regardless of who wins. DC is already boarding up the city. That's a very interesting question. Uh, Philly boarding up already. So first of all, Philly is boarded up for a number of reasons. One, um, the the census killing of Walter Wallace Jr. Right. Um, and the protests that took place after that, and other clashes with the police. So they boarded up for that reason. But they're also boarding up for other reasons as well. The National Guard was sent out here, etc. Um, here's what I'll say. You talk about people like Proud Boys, you talk about other probably white supremacist groups or militias. They might have stockpiles and all this other stuff. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, some folks might be foolish enough to do nonsense. Whatever. I hope they remember. I hope they remember that the government has been flooding the hood with guns for years. <laughs> and some of these folks about that life. That's all I'm saying. I hope that folks remember that the government has been flooding the inner cities and hood with guns, firearms, drugs for years. In fact, white folks know that because that's where they come and cop. Right. So I hope they understand that. I don't want no smoke of any kind. I really don't. There's no need. It's no need. But I hope folks understand that because, you know, we talk about you know, folks not being politically mature, et cetera. But there's a lot of folks who are about that life 
and they know their Second Amendment right. So that's all I'm saying. And I, and I hope we don't have to see any of that. I'm not for that. But again, like I said, some folks are about that life. Absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of folks are about that life as part of fear-based tactics because they themselves are actually scared, right? So I think it has to do with that as well. As we see on the highway, uh, we have uh, some some Trump supporters trying to do a blockade. My parents actually took my grandmother to uh, Philadelphia today from Trenton at, at the crack of dawn around 6 a.m. before rush hour to have her go and vote. And there was a, a Trump blockade in the Commonwealth. So these, these type of things will continue to happen. I think it is a lot of posturing, right, based upon uh, fear-based actions because, unfortunately, they feel that we are the threat, even though if we, if we walk in their neighborhood, we're the ones who are going to be, you know, the ones who are going to be essentially uh, attacked as opposed to if they come to our neighborhood, they're the ones who aren't going to be attacked. So it's, uh, it's just, a, at the end of the day, it's just reality, unfortunately. So, you know, the rebel yell, the rebel yell, mm. that's why I stopped. That's why I stopped buying that brown juice, by the way, because oh. it's called rebel yell. The rebel yell, right? That's the war cry, right? Of the Confederate army. It's called the rebel yell. Wow. So that's why I stopped. That's why I, back in the day, once I did my research, I stopped purchasing that. I'm like, I ain't buying nothing. Anyway, that's the war cry, the rebel yell. I think there are a lot of folks who are like, yo, this is our last stand. Us who believe in preserving this country for white people and those who subscribe to white supremacist ideology, mm. they're like, yo, this is our last stand because again they allowed a black man to become president and we could talk about whether or not that's by design etc whatever but at the end of the day it don't look good for white america right because it's like you can't really have power that much and then be like okay look at this black man he can do it. it's on the pieces so then when trump came back it's like we're trying to snatch this stuff back any type of racial pride you had snatch it back any type of racial progress you thought you had, try to snatch it back. So all this is white backlash. And this is really like the last stand, a rebel yell for folks saying, nah, fam, we can't be going towards this type of democracy where everybody's seen as a human being an equal. I won't stand for it. Right. And that's what you see happening. That's what you see happening. So a lot of folks are feeling that and they're like, yo, by any means necessary. That's, that's the white version of Malcolm <laughs> X. By any means necessary, we need to take our stand and intimidate, intimidate, intimidate to, to scare people from voting, etc. Because this is the last chance. They know, they know the reports. They know how pluralistic the society of America is going to be. They understand how, how many um, multiracial folks are being born from multiracial families. They, they know all these things. They know that it's going to be, a as they call it, majority minority. They, they know these things. This is their last stand their last hope and trump is their great white hope that's what it is yeah i guess trump is what chris dudley <laughs> or sean bradley pretty, basically pretty pretty much pretty much and then uh yeah because even statistically as of right now it is a certainty by 2050 white people will no longer be the majority the birth births above replacement is already there right so and that's uh, 
And I guess that's kind of like an internal struggle they would have amongst themselves because they've also been preaching the aspect of prolonging, uh, let's say, starting a family for professional purposes. So it's kind of like you, you kind of created your own your own bed. So now you just have to lay in it and accept it. Someone fell asleep at the wheel mm. and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Or here's the one thing that they probably forgot. Black folks are so damn dope. Mm. Everybody want to be with black folk. Everybody. Oh, they know that. Everybody. So it's like as much as they tried to keep folks away from folks, it is what it is. Right. I mean, it's not like they never appropriated the culture for monetary gain or social gain. So they're they're acutely aware of uh, of what's going on. And I actually have to ask you a question, sir. Have you? seen or heard about the show lovecraft country yes sir so one thing before i get to that one i just want to quote the the great malcolm x uh chickens are coming home to roost yes they are number one number two yes i did watch lovecraft country shout out to dre yes dre told me told me to watch it thank you sir also shout out to my 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 colleague uh, lisa told me to watch it too thank you and i watched it watched it all and yeah man Got some commentary there. Got some good commentary there. Absolutely. So I have to shout out Chloe Diz and her mom because they actually told me specifically to watch it. So perhaps uh, similar to our Black Panther review, we might be able to do a Lovecraft Country review uh, for Creative Gord. I think that'd be pretty dope. Works for me. Works for me. I got I got stuff to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. So we want to thank everyone once again for joining us for this live show. And uh, thank you, everyone, for going to vote, because I know everyone who's watching the show already already voted. So thank you for doing your civic duty that our ancestors have literally gave up, you know, blood, sweat and tears to give us this ability just to even have, excuse me, even to have the entitlement to be like, oh, I don't I don't feel like voting. This even that entitlement is was given to us by our ancestors. So please, let's not, you know, you know, give it, you know, essentially. Let's not make it in vain their sacrifice to give us that opportunity. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. So thank you guys once again, and we'll speak to you next week. Peace. You repeat what they created and get power to hate. But worst of all, we disappoint all the greats. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah. Hey. Black lives matter, black lives